don't care how big, <gasps> ugly, and smelly you are. You just can't go around eating other people's corsages. That was a bad thing you did. <gasps> a bad, bad thing. You hear me? Even if you no. are an animal, you just can't go around acting like one in this house. <laughs> oh! <gasps> Hello everybody, or if there are any Sasquatches listening, bad idea to start with that i'm gonna i'm gonna find it very hard to not keep giggling throughout this bit but uh welcome to rambling an amblin podcast the show the show where we take a stroll in the woods of amblin entertainment to see what myths and legends we can uncover i am one half of your host andrew godian i'm your other half joshua glenn <laughs> and today and today we are happy to be joined by creator and host of the Caged In and Coppola Connections podcast, Petrus Patsilavus. Welcome to the podcast, Petrus. Thank you very much for having me, guys. I'm, uh, oh, I've got, I've, I've got, I've, well, I've got torn feelings about this film. I loved it as a child, and I'm sure we'll get into <laughs> how I feel about it now as an Ooh, adult. Interesting. Yeah. Slight revisionism, perhaps. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. Maybe, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, now, I, I first discovered your work when you kicked off with your uh, Nicolas Cage podcast, Caged In, and you have since kind of developed into a whole Coppola Connections spin-off, which just gives you this incredible, incredible range of films to talk about. Uh, what was that kind of, was it uh, an idea you always had in mind or something that just kind of came to you as you got to the end of the Cage filmography? Well, yeah, as I was getting to the end of Cage, I was like scrambling for ideas. I was like, what do I do? Do I like go in this endless loop of Cage films and then kind of like <laughs> revisit my old opinions and talk about them with new people, which I thought could have been like a really <laughs> interesting idea to do because it would have been like mm. maybe as I've like grown up and like my kind of like love for Cage has grown through like trudging through all like 90 something of his films. Would I Would I then develop like go back to earlier stuff and go, you know what, actually, no, I can see, like, the seeds where that pl- where that was planted, how that kind of developed into something later. Like, if you kind of look at Vampire's Kiss now, you very much see, like, performances in his later career, whether it's his performance mm-hmm. cast the Troy in Face Off or even uh, Colour Out of Space from, like, just the other year. You kind of see, like, mm. these 
he's cherry picking from his old performances. But then I was like, that's just too much of like a meta joke that I, I would enjoy. And it's like, <laughs> I'm sure people would be like, oh yeah, let's listen to his episode like on Face Off Mark 2 and then Mark 3 <laughs> and then Mark 4. And I was like, well, it's just this crazy thing that he is a part of this ridiculously big yeah. film family. <laughs> and like, I think sometimes we forget as like film fans that like, Lame, like the regular people don't really know. It's not really like shouted about too much that Nick Cage is a part of that family, and I, just, I wanted mm, to highlight mm-hmm. that. And I was like, "Well, where does he fit in to like, and where does that family fit in in cinema?" So like, let's look at all of it. And it just kind of felt like I don't. As soon as I kind of like got the thing of like, we got to know Nick Cage. Let's meet the family. I was like, <laughs> right, yeah. So that sounds like a great little like like tagline or whatever it's like yeah. it's, it's it's the perfect place to go and then kind of develop the whole thing around it being like this crime family of cinema and then I was like, <laughs> right, yeah, the, the, the ball's perfect. rolling yeah yeah uh, i love your godfather riff for the theme tune of a uh, couple of connections as well it really <laughs> gets into that vibe very much so yeah thank you i literally learned the godfather um like theme on keyboard and then forgot how to play it and then like wrote something that like, i was like trying to remember <laughs> to play it and then played what, awesome. not, what is the theme song and i was like oh that sounds close enough without like <laughs> that sounds like close <laughs> enough with like you know what I mean? it's like when you hear like a song copyright free go yeah exactly, <laughs> exactly. I, yeah because for ages i was looking at like licensing music and it's kind of like there's loads of people out there it's like 80 bucks for like a 30 second piece of music and i was like no, I can, I, can, I can do something. Like. <laughs> Just a few degrees to the left. Exactly. And it's all good. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so we've invited you on to talk about uh, the 1987 film, Harry and the Hendersons. To my knowledge, I couldn't find a couple of connection, but I'm happy to be corrected if I am if I am mistaken. <laughs> the, the closest couple of connection I could find to like the whole Amblin kind of thing and, and i guess related to this film is that gina carlo G- gina carlo coppola was meant to be an intern on amazing stories but he tragically lost his life in a boating accident so like uh th- that never happened but like i guess that he was he, primed yeah he was primed to kind of yeah like be like be taken under the wing wow. of steven spielberg so like like how kind of john deere got his like break on that like really it, it could have been like, who knows? We could have been seeing like Gina Carno Coppola's name turning mm-hmm. up in yeah. the credits for uh, ha- Harry and the Hendersons if he hadn't have tragically lost his life. Yeah. So, it's wild. sorry to, so yeah, sorry to do it on such a bummer note. Like, no, no. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's an interesting bit of trivia. I never knew that. <laughs> never knew that. But, um, what is your kind of like, before we really jump into it, what is your kind of, uh, connection to Amblin, what the sort of thing like kind of vibe that you think of or the sort of key images that come to your mind when you think Amblin. So when I like I was like obviously I've listened back to a lot of your older episodes and like like I've been thinking about this a while and I think it's this this idea of films because there's films that like aren't Amblin and have this Amblin mm. feel. So even if you look at something like Super 8 and I think it's these like kind of unique stories normally about kids and this kind of like kids eye view of Mm. the world 
a, a lot of it. Obviously, there are like the earlier yeah. stuff kind of diverts from that, and there are some like many outliers. But I guess classic Amblin for me would be like the Goonies, E.T., and like Harry and the Hendersons. Yeah, to some degree. Like, and it's just this. I don't know. This warm, fuzzy Sunday film feeling. Mm-hmm. I think that is that is Amblin yeah, for me. It's just kind of like Absolutely. you you know you're kind of in safe hands a lot of the time. A lot of the time, I should like <laughs> not, not all the time. <laughs> when, when you kind of see that like uh, sting at the beginning of a film, you're kind of like, oh, I'll relax a little bit. And I'll kind yeah, of like, it's yeah, kind of, it's, yeah. It's, you're it's gonna ca- scare me a little bit, but yeah, not yeah, enough yeah. that it's gonna not let me sleep. <laughs> <laughs> I'll get the fuzzies. Yeah. <laughs> And uh, before we uh, properly stroll into the woods, I think it's only fair to hand over to uh, our synopsis man, Joshua Glenn, to introduce us to Harry and the Hendersons. Well, it's uh, it's my pleasure. Uh, We meet the Hendersons on a camping trip in the Cascade Mountains. George, played by John Lithgow, has just helped his son Ernie, played by Joshua Rudoy, kill his first rabbit. Something that elicits uh, bemusement from his wife Nancy, played by Melinda Dillon, and outright disgust from his daughter Sarah, played by Margaret Langrick. As they drive homeward, boasting of their kill and generally espousing their love for firearms, George accidentally hits something with the car. Upon inspecting it, and not after bemoaning the dent left in his station wagon, he realises that it's none other than famous cryptozoological phenomenon Bigfoot, played or embodied by Kevin Peter Hall. Believing it to be dead and seeing dollar signs, George straps Bigfoot to the roof of his car and drives him home. That night, when venturing to the garage to examine the creature, George finds that Bigfoot is not only alive, but is helping himself to the contents of the Henderson's fridge and ridding the home of the vile hunting trophies. Eventually discovering Bigfoot to be a lovable lug instead of a murderous beast, the Hendersons decide that the best course of action is to return Harry, as George took it upon himself to name him, back to the wilderness. Harry sees through their attempts to lure him into the station wagon, though, and runs off into the big wide city. Pretty soon, Sasquatch sightings are reported throughout Seattle, and a run on his father's gun shop makes George begin to question his trigger happiness and decide to track down and rescue his big hairy friend. As well as a town full of bloodthirsty tourists, though, the Hendersons also have to contend with Jacques Lefleur, played by David Suchet, a Class A hunter who's been on Bigfoot's tail for years. Will the Hendersons be able to rescue their friend in time? Will he be able to live in suburban peace with them if they do? Or will they be forced to banish him back to the mountains for his own good? And that's the end of the synopsis. So, um, so you know, go on, synopsis. Yeah. <laughs> We're done with you. <laughs> get out of here! Can't you see when I want you anymore? Why can't you go back to where you came from? Leave us alone! <laughs> go. I was wondering how long we'd take to get to Lithgow. <laughs> <laughs> Goodbye, my friend. Excellent flourish. <laughs> I was worried because I told you that I had a bit planned after my um, synopsis and you told me you had a bit at the start of the episode and I was concerned that our bits would get... No, we're okay. ...would overlap, but yeah, there was a wide <laughs> distinction there between them. <laughs> Um, I, I mentioned this in the previous episode, but, um, my kind of connection with this film going in was this hazy memory of both it and its TV spinoff. Um, so it was, it, I was quite intrigued to see which memories were from what, because I, I also distinctly remember 
finding the figure of Harry himself quite scary, just like a still image of him in the Radio Times or something. Was something that was like, oh, <laughs> what is this? So, so weirdly, I always felt like this slight apprehension towards it whenever I hear the title coming up because I'd just be like, oh no. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> There's something about seeing that face still on a poster that is quite disquieting. I think seeing it in motion yeah. eases it a little bit, but seeing it just there on a poster, it takes on this stark quality that's quite well, unnerving. That, that original poster as well, where it's like the kind of black with the like, uh, just the rose. Yeah. It, kind of, it, it, it almost makes it look like some kind of like like horror film that you kind of would have seen in yeah. the video shop and been like, intrigued but like scared of as yeah. a kid like oh god like, yeah, makes like, it feel really gothic and yeah, grandiose yeah, yeah. I had a similar relationship with uh, Jim Henson's Dinosaurs, that TV show, because <laughs> there's, there's a slight grotesqueness to them that yeah. made them slightly slightly scary looking to me as a kid, but I did like that show when well, I actually sat down and watched it. That's <laughs> a show that ends in the extermination of the whole species of the, of the protagonists. Yeah, Here's a that... dark show. <laughs> And they're bringing it back, right? Uh, that that that's something that they're, br- I don't they're bringing remember back. Him, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. That's so like, yeah, the and a, a connection between that is uh, John Deere, uh, William Deere, the director of Harry and the Hendersons, directed mm. an episode of uh, Dinosaurs as well. There we go. There, there we go. go. <laughs> Fri- oh. Frightening my subconscious as a child with the. <laughs> yeah, that's what I mean. he's, he's got something out for you. Like last week, yeah. last episode, you realised that uh, Don Bluth has something against cats, and this week we're finding out that, <laughs> that William Deere has something against you, Andy. Like personally against <laughs> you. <laughs> I gotta watch out. Remind me never to watch The Sandlot free. <laughs> scariest of them all. <laughs> Um, Petros, this is uh, one a, a film that you kind of came to us with when we uh, shared with you the list of films that we had uh, uh, available for guest slots. So I, I, I can only assume that this is this is one that you grew up with, maybe with a bit, a bit more connection than myself had. Well, yeah, it's that thing that I just remember this being like a Channel Five. I would imagine, like, would have been spun a lot on a Sunday, and I'm the youngest of three. So, like, my parents would have, like, been, like, because this would have come out when my kid, my, my brother and sister were, like, younger kids. So, like, when I, I was kind of, like, fed a lot of, like, ambling stuff and, like, Goonie. And, like, one of, the, one of the kind of, like, things on Revisit about this film is I must have only ever seen a TV cut of it. Because I was like, I didn't realise how much swearing there is in it. And, like, for a PG as well, <laughs> so everyone's like, do you know what I mean? It's like that's bullshit. Yeah. Like, what the shit? Like, it's like, son of a bitch. Like, everyone's son of a bitching and shitting all over the place. It's like, Jesus Christ. And I was like, maybe, maybe that, maybe I was like, subjected to that as a kid. Like, like I saw a lot worse, but like, I was like, I don't remember yeah. any of that. And I, I think I just like, yeah, when I saw the list, I was like, I've like, really fond memories of that. And that's mm. like, sometimes fond memories are best left in the past right because (laughs) (laughs) had had you watched it since childhood when you volunteered for it or is this the first time you've watched it since you were younger it must be the first i must have caught like snippets of it on tv before like i've Mm. always had this like rose tinted view of of this film because i remember like like even when it's mentioned like with my mum she was like 
oh, Bigfoot and the Henderson, yeah, that's great. And like, it, even to this day, so like, even when I said, I was, yeah, I'm going to be talking about that on a podcast, I was like, oh, that's great. So I was like, I think it's just kind of like been drilled in within my family that like, yeah, it's yeah. really good. And then I was like, I we're a like, big Harry and Henderson's household here. <laughs> so I, 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 I got to a point, you know, like you get to a point with films and you're like, I oh, just like, unless, unless there's reason to watch that again, like I'll just mm-hmm. kind of leave it in the past. Mm-hmm. And I was like, yeah. yeah. W- when I saw it on your list, I was like, well, that's reason enough to watch it. I was like, I've always felt <laughs> very fondly about that film. And yeah, it's been it's been drilled into me by my mum. that It's like, yeah, yeah. We, we had a lot of fun with that when you were younger. So I was like, well, it must be good. But like, I've never been drawn. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? I, unlike, <laughs> unlike Harry himself being drawn to George on the TV, I've never like been drawn to seek out Harry and the Henderson. Yeah, I'm not licking the TV <laughs> when, it's, when it's on. <laughs> <laughs> How about you, young Master Glenn? <laughs> no, much the same as you. I, I, I conflate this in my head with the TV series. Uh, and I, it's, it, I think we're towards the end of a stretch in Amblin where I have very similar relationships of having vague memories of either seeing still images or, or, you know, the VHS cover from the video shop in my head from when I was a kid. But I don't, I don't think I've ever seen this. Much like with American Tale and Money Pit, you know, I, I don't think I've seen this before. But I recognise Harry. I recognise yeah. Harry. It's hard to forget Harry once you see him. <laughs> yeah, I'm trying to think of other like cinematic Bigfoot that I've seen, but I, I, I struggle to think beyond ones that like because like the whole driving force of this really does feel like to be like well let's take this beast figure and that horror films have shown him in the past and make him a bit more family friendly yeah i i can't i can't really think what uh (laughs) the only thing i could think of of like recent memory i don't know if you saw like bobcat golfweight made a bigfoot movie uh, (laughs) a few years ago but but like uh, a found footage horror movie uh willow willow creek yeah uh, Willow Krieger, it's, and that that is my kind of strongest feeling of Bigfoot in a in a movie is like he's probably gonna rip some arms off at some point. <laughs> That's so weird because this is my in- enduring image of Bigfoot is based on. The, the, the sort of goofy smiling big ape man that that's what I think of when I think of Bigfoot so it may it, it seems weird to me to imagine anyone seeing him as a horrific figure it's, it's well, really I, strange I think it's really interesting that Rick Baker's design of Harry has like mm. kind of perpetuated throughout popular culture as being mm-hmm. like the kind of archetypal mm-hmm. look of Bigfoot going forward and it's like yeah. uh, I think William Deere said in like a, I watched an interview and he said like even like down to like beef jerky packaging that he saw and it's like <laughs> kind of came in like a a mild and spicy flavor and like the mild one is the pit like the kind of image of like harry almost and then the spicy one <laughs> is that kind of doctored image you get from like george senior you know when it's like gnarly and <laughs> snarling like that's the image of the spicy one Cause, and i think like it is that thing like you say like i i, I even look at um yeah, Bigfoot characters as goofy. Like I watch, I've, mm. got, I've got a small a small son, and we recently watched Smallfoot, which is like kind of oh uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> ba- basically similar, like similar in premise to this, but told from the perspective of a Sasquatch as opposed mm. to yeah, as a, as opposed to the human component to it. Yeah, so 
So, and even that, yeah, they're all goofy looking. They're not like scary in any capacity. <laughs> <laughs> Do you believe in Bigfoot boys? <laughs> what was that? What was that? What's the tagline now? Something like uh, if, if you if you if science says that this isn't true so believe with your heart or something like that <laughs> do you know the one that i mean i hadn't come across that one but it makes a lot of sense <laughs> it's the one it's on the on that horrific gothic poster that, that scares us all so much <laughs> well i'm gonna find it oh here we go yeah yeah, yeah. uh according, according to science bigfoot doesn't exist uh, when you can't believe your eyes, trust your heart. Is that your same um, approach to the, the Bigfoot m- myth in your real life? Yeah. <laughs> but you ever I know, came across him? I know, <laughs> I know him, my heart is out there. <laughs> no, I, I, uh, I discovered the term for these um, folk, sort of pseudo-scientific folklore uh, figures like Bigfoot and Loch Ness when I was doing my prep for this it's uh cryptozoo cryptozoology and uh I you know it's all it's all you know it's all silly nonsense isn't it but it's quite fun it's it's quite like entertaining the speculation even if I don't believe for a second that there's a chance it's real I like the idea that the the idea of Bigfoot just came from like a really hairy bloke got seen by a few hunters and it kind of like, yeah. like just how kind of like Chinese whispers start do you know what I mean like it kind of the story yeah. every time it got told an, an extra 10% got added on and like before you knew it it was like this snarling beast as opposed to like oh, it's just a really tall bloke like very very much like that kind of yeah. that, that cyclist who tells the like tells the story of Harry in, in the film like yeah it's like yeah it's, it's, not, it's not like that at all did that really happen? <laughs> Did it happen? <laughs> the amount of time I wasted cycling around the mountains in Grand Theft Auto San Andreas trying to find the rumoured Bigfoot that exists in that video game. Do you guys remember that? The yeah. rumour yeah, of Bigfoot being in San Andreas. <laughs> I never found him, much like anybody in real life. Never found <laughs> Bigfoot. I think I remember getting to a bit where we were scoping out and we were adamant we had seen him and then <laughs> yeah. spent about 45 minutes <laughs> going around <laughs> and then realising we probably didn't see him. <laughs> probably just saw a really big guy from Grove Street hanging about in the mountains. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> a really big baller. <laughs> oh, shit. Here we go again. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, in terms of the production history for Harry and Henderson, it was a bit slimmer on the ground than some of the, some of the films I've we I, we've kind of looked into already in terms of what I could find to read. But uh, by by all account, <laughs> help yourselves to jump in if you know a bit more than I do as I go over some of these uh, production notes. Um, I very much see <laughs> see this inspiration being the kind of amplifying of a Bigfoot creature. And the guy that uh, Spielberg, who's working as an uncredited mm. executive producer in, in this case, um, taps uh, William Deere to direct, who also wrote the script with William E. Martin and Ezra D. Rappaport. Uh, Deere had some previous history of Amblin already, as uh, Petrus uh, said at the top. He directed some of the, a couple of episodes, I think, of the Amblin anthology series, uh, Amazing Stories which uh, we should probably do an episode on Amazing yeah, Stories yeah, one of these yeah. days. 
I've never watched any of the old Amazing Stories. I'd be, I'd be really intrigued to see how some of those come out. Same. The director's I mean, credits are insane on Amazing mm. Stories. So it's like Scorsese's got an episode, Zemeckis has got an episode, Joe Dante's got a couple. Like there's some real big yeah. names, and it's like. Yeah, hasn't Apple TV brought back Amazing Stories as well? I don't know if anyone's super involved in that one, but I keep seeing it pop up on the um, adverts for me to try and get a seven-day subscription. But I've already mm-hmm. watched Ted Lasso. Yeah. <laughs> 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 um, but previous film credits for William Deere ahead of Harry. Uh, largely, I think, like from what I could gather, included uh, <laughs> a blockbuster in 1982 which didn't do very well, but I sound, <laughs> I quite like the sound of. It's called Time Rider, The Adventures of Lyle Swan, and <laughs> follows uh, Fred Ward as a dirt, dirt bike racer who accidentally gets transported back in time to the 1800s. <laughs> oh, yeah, <laughs> I like that concept. baby. There's a, a Buckaroo Banzai vibe there yeah. <laughs> that I could get on, on board with. <laughs> Great name. Lyle Swan is a fantastic name for any any character in any scenario, I think. Time Rider. <laughs> Lyle Swan does sound like a brand of uh, sugar or something, though, as well. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, or maybe getting that conflated with uh, Lyle and Tate. But yeah, so yeah. Th- this film, I'm not sure if you found this in your investigating, uh, Andy, but like, was pitched originally as a TV pilot that. Uh, that makes a lot of sense. The, the two the two writers you mentioned who aren't William Deere, um, that was like a passion project for them. Yeah, so Martin E. Uh, William E. Martin and Ezra Rappaport had the idea of Fred Gwynn playing Harry, so Herman Monster himself, <laughs> and they kind of had this very like rudimentary idea that it'd basically be like him with kind of like basic prosthetics and like hair glued to yeah. his face, essentially. Yeah. And I know that William Deere was approached when working on Amazing Stories by Steven Spielberg, and he's kind of said like, "How's the edit of your like episode going?" He's like, "Yep, nearly there." And he's like, "Well, can I see it?" And he's like, "Actually, it's not quite done yet." And Steven Spielberg was <laughs> like, "Fancy showing it to me?" And so William Deere was like, "All right, yeah, better get the moviola rolling, like showing it." And then he and then he asked him, he's like, "Oh, that's that's pretty good. You got a passion project?" And he's like. Yeah, I've got something. I've got a script like I'm I'm knocking about on. He's like, I could bring it to you in like five days. And then uh, Steven Spielberg asked him again, like, do you want to tell me about that passion, passion project you, you, you've got? <laughs> and then like he kind of rattles off the story to him of Harry and the Hendersons. And then like, yeah. the next day he's in Spielberg's office kind of going like, yeah, like I, th- I think we can make <laughs> that. <I> am. <laughs> <laughs> Which is like, yeah, like you, I kind of found it hard to find much about the production of this there's a lot of stuff about the effects of, of this yeah, movie, yeah. but like uh, yeah apart from that it's kind of a bit thin on the ground of how it came about right yeah definitely uh, i love that you <laughs> found that story and i really enjoyed that recreation <laughs> <laughs> pushy spielberg go on let's hear it then then William Deere was kind of pushy to Rick Baker because he mm-hmm. kind of like buttered him up and like said like the thing I love about the characters you create is they have soul and that kind of like really like 
Rick Baker was like kind of like his pants fell down at, at that moment. Yeah. Like, you've, you've got me. And it's like, I find it really interesting. Keep talking. That obviously it's Rick Baker back on a Steven Spielberg production. Mm-hmm. I guess maybe like they kept it quiet from him. That's why he's like, uncredited. Cause it's like, mm. you know yeah. I mean? it almost feels like he kind of went to Rick Baker. Like, oh yeah, who's producing this film? And it's like Kathleen Turner, Kathleen Kennedy, Frank Marshall. Like it kind of very much feels like that because there's that big, yeah. I'm sure you guys mentioned it on the ET episode, but the the big like bust up between Rick Baker and Spielberg for Night Skies. Mm. So like Rick Baker had spent like was it like seven hundred grand creating these animatronics? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then kind of Spielberg went. Nah, we're not doing that. Like, we're doing something, <laughs> like that. Doing something else now. And then that, that's why this he cute did, guy now. He, <laughs> yeah, he didn't do ET, which like, like, so yeah, I'm not I'm sorry to blow my load early on this, but like this film to me very much feels like the shadow of like a three mm-hmm. foot tall alien looms very large over this yeah oh yeah uh, over this film <laughs> do you know yeah. what I mean? like a, a bigfoot is o- overshadowed by a tiny alien <laughs> <laughs> i think you've got you you've you've touched on one of the kind of main points that i was gonna uh go for in this kind of the preamble as it were before, before our thoughts and that is rick baker because i do think it's <laughs> literally all you get or could find on like um how him and spielberg war <laughs> were before going into this was literally just a line just saying yeah they made up <laughs> 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 doesn't say when but they made up <laughs> and uh I, I as we also mentioned that episode rip baker's the kind of like um the maestro of makeup effects he's like uh famous predominantly in the 80s for like an American wealth in London and he, he would go on to work with Spielberg again a bit further down the line with uh, the likes of Men in Black and yeah, the creature yeah. effects and that. So he's the guy who knows what he's doing so I'm not surprised um, William Deere was uh, <laughs> was brown nosing as much as he was. Because <laughs> <laughs> he like uh, I think it's alright to kind of jump into this general, general thought of that lead character of Harry, I think the reason why this film works as well as it does is because of the puppetry that's going on mm-hmm. and it's mad how, uh, how kind of like uh, how much of a breakthrough this was and how much it's kind of weirdly like I thought I, it would be something I would take for granted but you can really see the kind of <laughs> there is emotion but it's like also the level of craft that makes the individual parts of the mouth and the eyebrows move because um it needed like I, I think it was four puppet four puppeteers on set, and they actually they made a radio control for each kind of like separate part where uh, two puppeteers were on the lips and one puppeteer was on the brow, so they would kind of take it coordinate between themselves and also Kevin Peter Hall inside the suit to combine all those like separate people working to build bring a character to life, and that is kind of. Uh, uh, it's just mind-boggling <laughs> the kind of design that had to go into that head. <laughs> yeah. More on that point as well is that they didn't have any like radio mics or anything. They couldn't communicate with each other. So like, whilst they're like filming on location and stuff like that, um, 
Rick Baker was one of the uh, operators as, uh, as well, along with Tom Hester and Tim Lawrence. And they kind of had to find pockets on set where they could kind of see what Harry was doing so they could emote. And like Rick Baker has touched on the point that it's almost like this magic and like this kismet that came with the four of them to be able to like yeah. figure out mm. what they're doing. Like it was his first time ever doing like uh, re- like remote control operated uh, animatronics. Before then it was all like cable pulleys and stuff like that. So like he kind of said like at times he jokes about it saying like they literally just kind of like, yeah, move the joysticks wherever. And it happened to like create these amazing like visuals and stuff like that. Yeah. And mm. a lot of the great kind of reaction shots we get from Harry are actually like them just messing around when they called cut because they kind of like just mm-hmm. like would do like well we've got one like the camera's still rolling so let's kind of like fiddle about a bit and then they mm. would get these like reaction shots and I, th- I think like the most interesting thing is with Rick Baker's design as well is the fact that they kept the eyes intact they're not yeah they're not a part of the suit apart from contacts they are actually like kevin peter hall's real eyes so Mm -hmm. like that i think that's where the emotion of that character comes from and makes him such like a a deeply interesting character which like could have been handled in like when you think about now like that would be a cg character yeah and, and it would be totally lifeless and kind of this this film wouldn't have like the emotion that it like the emotion it does have yeah would it wouldn't be there at all if it was just kind of like yeah like even if it's part practical part cg yeah the, the, the face would all be done through cg and it, it would it would lose all of that kind of mad like mm. movie magic basically i think that's yeah, what this film absolutely. has absolutely yeah, well, the eyes are so often the thing when it's a fully CGI creation. The eyes are so often the thing that just shatters the illusion. That it's that this kind of the biggest thing that pushes you into the uncanny valley. If you just take, you know, plucking something randomly, the Polar Express, for instance. <laughs> you know, the, <laughs> that is nightmare just inducing. On the mind. Just you know, <laughs> it's always there since I watched it months and months and months ago. <laughs> um, but you know, that 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 the the motion capture was still very. Um, it kind of towards its infancy when that was being made but the, the thing that really shattered any sense of a cohesive vision with that was the, the, the terrifying dead eyes that the characters have it's no sense of life beneath them at all and it's funny you should say that, um, that the director told Rick Baker that his designs have soul because this Bigfoot is just so full of soul and so much of that is the, the, sort of the, the window that the eyes create with beneath mm-hmm. these prosthetics which yeah you just that's drowned out with seed with full CGI designs, I think. Yeah, I, and I love the contrast of the idea of Kevin Peter Hall, who, the, this seven foot uh, giant who embodies Harry, also in the same year was uh, the Predator and Predator, and I, I love I love that switch. <laughs> yeah. There's a few movements. Sorry, go on, Andy. Yeah, I was just going to say there's like the kind of there's a similar sort of glide, but done in like like just slightly differently that really like manages to shift those two performances where you can still kind of feel it's the same actor but he is doing something yeah. completely yeah. different going for a completely yeah. different thing there's there's a bit at the end when that <laughs> when they're having the little chase and the hide and seek in the woods and the hunter is trying to you know try to kill bigfoot there's a bit when he when he when bigfoot grabs jack and i thought for a second that he snapped his neck 
It was a, a very predator kind of move. And I thought for a second he'd done... Um, thankfully, it was... He just, I think, stepped on a twig. That's what the sound was. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> but he did sometimes slip into that predator gate in his, uh, in his movements. Yeah. I, I know as well that like John Lithgow was like a big inspiration for the the puppetry of Harry because like Rick Baker and that would look at his kind of elastic face and the way he would emote a lot of the time and go like well let's try and emulate that and it, I think that adds to the film because obviously mm. like Harry is like learning from and it's it, it's this essentially this all boils down to being like a love story between yeah. um, a man and a Bigfoot. And it's like both of yeah. them are willing <laughs> to kind of put their families <laughs> aside. Like, you know what I mean? Like there is yeah, a dark, yeah. there is a dark <laughs> reading of this film where it's like yeah. the end, the ending is those two going off into the woods and like, yeah. ne- like never to be seen again. Do you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> a simpler life. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Go! Get out of here! Wait! I'm coming with you! (laughs) Nan, take the kids! Go! (laughs) Uh, Another bit to touch upon before we kind of really get rolling in the general discussion of the film. A bit that I found really interesting was the the marketing around it and how it kind of shifts in between when it's being uh, distributed uh, domestically in the states to its later international run at the end of 87 because um uh, harry himself was kept largely out of the marketing materials we've talked about the creepy poster with the rose a couple of times already i'm sorry to bring it back up boys and get the, <laughs> get the <laughs> image, image seared in our minds again but uh it was that kind of approach just keeping him hidden in the shadows and the trailers didn't uh fully reveal him well, there's and, an, uh, this, it, there's, ahead, an, there's another great like poster, like a uh, Drew Struzan poster, which kind of like alludes to the idea of him because it's the family kind of recoiling away, like with a a, yes. s- a smash in the door that is like Harry shaped. And um, William, I love that poster. William Deere has said they took yeah. what they called at the time the ET approach to the marketing. So like. Even the trailers didn't have any Harry in them, and that there's a great mm-hmm. like quote I found, which is, well, it's accredited to somebody from the Untouchables, which I I like to think was Brian De Palma. He he. he <laughs> so 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 this is Brian De Palma saying this. Uh, he said like we were really worried that we like the Untouchables was going to get stomped out when this film came out. Because like mm-hmm. it's, it's ambling, it's kind of like it's got the yeah Steven Spielberg mark of approval, but but then we saw the poster and we realised we have nothing to worry about. We're gonna be fine. <laughs> that really feels like a De Palma thing to say. Like that, he's yeah, like yeah, kind of famous, like seeing rough cuts of Star Wars go to George Lucas, like. What's that? What, yeah, what's, that <laughs> what's that, you chump? Like, I, 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 I'm, o- I'm over here, like, fucking, like, buckets of blood, and you're, you're, you're over here with, like, ping, 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 I want to do 
a spin-off <laughs> series that, that is you impersonating these 70s Hollywood brats having arguments <laughs> and conversations with each other. I've got, yeah, got to do a, a one Edinburgh, oh, yeah. Edinburgh next year. Yes. <laughs> it's going to be but, like... Yeah. Uh, Easy Rider's Raging Bull, the one man, pl- the one man play. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Easy Rider, Raging Bull. Yeah. <laughs> it writes itself. I can see it now. <laughs> <laughs> but it is, it is those posters and trailers that a lot of pe- people attribute to the film not doing well when it was initially released. Um, it came third behind uh, the aforementioned Untouchables and Beverly Hills Cop 2 on its opening weekend and uh it went on to only gross 29.8 million in the states in its total run um that's off a budget of 10 million so whilst it's still it's still getting some money back it's not it's not an amblin size hit as i imagine they were kind of hoping uh and this led to like i said the kind of changing of the gears for the international release because uh if you grew up with this movie in the uk or Australia, and I think quite a few other territories. It was retitled initially uh, to be Bigfoot and the Hendersons, um, with Harry himself featured quite heavily on the, like the poster. I mean, we'll definitely put a couple of them on Twitter side by yeah. side, but the, the vast difference in their approach to showing the character is <laughs> very, very adamant. <laughs> and even then, it still only made another additional twenty million internationally bring its total up to just under 50 million uh so like i say whilst it made its money back it's not uh it's not the triple figure hit that yeah like, say an Amer- like an american tale literally just was um so, so yeah and I, I, that kind of confused approach to how to sell it also left me in a weird place going into it after having kind of read these things as being like, well, I don't know what to sell. What are they selling? <laughs> <laughs> I have a vague idea. <laughs> and it also kind of just led me to believe to think it wasn't going to be uh, <laughs> very good. But I, I, I was quite pleasantly surprised by how much I ended up enjoying this film. Because I had it in my head as well. And I was, was going to be like... Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> uh, how was it for you, Petrus, coming back to after... Uh, like you say, quite a long time. Well, I guess you guys can speak to this a lot more than I can as your kind of ambling detectives, but this to me <laughs> feels like very I much like that. <laughs> a film that is like by design meant to be an ambling film. J- j- yeah. Like it, even down to like the kind of it feels like E.T. For a new gen, like not like for a new generation, but it's made what like five years after, or like, like yeah, not yeah, five six years after ET came out, and it's this. I it doesn't have like, and I, and I know like a lot of the criticism at the time was it doesn't have that that magic that ET has. Even yeah. like, even like it, it obviously shares like a cinematographer. Um, is it Alan? Mm-hmm. Uh, Davo, like Alan Davio, yeah, like and it's like it like shots at the beginning, like that kind of like sh- uh, shots through the woods and stuff like that. Kind of like I don't know, it like just reminds. Like, I'm I'm not sure if there are shots in ET like that, but it kind of like straight away was like yeah. that feels like something like the kind of ET I view you would get in like the uh, like in the early stages of that. And it's watching it now, it's like it's I. <sighs> 
I've got pro. There, there are problems. I've, I think there's definitely like Harry is the thing that grounds it for me and makes it like wholly interesting. Yeah. And I guess being like as I've got older, really appreciating practical effects and stuff, and kind of like really championing that, like lo- loving all that stuff. Like watching it on that level, it's like oh, this is great. This is like a feat of like excellence in that department. But like story wise. As I said, like it focuses too much on that relationship between George and Harry, and like the kind of I don't the rest of the family for for most of it kind of gets sidelined, and like it it, it focuses way too much on the the aspect of like the the hysteria in the town, and it's like. Oh. We will get to that, I'm sure, because that's a <laughs> weird beat. Yeah, like, but yeah, it focuses way too, and like the like the David Suchet like yeah. plot and stuff like that, and it's I don't know, like uh, George's turnaround on how he feels about Harry, it's like this film would have been, it should have been his arc over the over like ninety minutes not an hour and 50 90 minutes <laughs> like he learns to love yeah what <laughs> he learns to love <laughs> that's Harry, a good point <laughs> like whereas yeah. it kind of like that happens within the first 25 minutes yeah. of the film and it's it kind of it tries to retread et but mm, kind of yeah. like really i don't know misses the marks of what makes et magical in that thing it's like it yeah. really like teases out the 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 creature and stuff like that and kind of like really plays with you a bit and like makes you care about the other people whereas this is just like right we've we've got we've got the like get get the monster get the creature on screen as quick as possible yeah yeah yeah, yeah. they love it let's have all this hijinks and then at the end like they they want to set him free it's just, it's uh, yeah coming back to it, it's just a bit like boom like, like, re- like really like do you know what I mean? like yeah. is, is is this is this what is this what I was kind of like really excited about as a kid like what what fucking idiot that guy <laughs> well, I think just to, to bring together a few things that you mentioned the the idea of the little 3 foot ET looming large over this production I think that's very much true and also the what you said about it was originally conceived as a pilot makes an awful lot of sense because mm-hmm. Let's face it, William Deere is no Steven Spielberg. And whereas E.T., one of the things I think is so effective about it and the thing that rinses the emotions out of me is the messiness of the emotions that that film dabbles in. Whereas this film is very much about scenarios and situations and the comedy therein. So in that regard, it, it, it literally does feel like an Amblin sitcom. The, this, the, the, the sort of mm-hmm. the comedic beat. I, I, you know, I find that quite agreeable myself. I don't have a particular uh, issue with that. But I, there's 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 none of the there's none of the finesse, and there are so many. Oh, they've they've uh, they're they're, they're going to sell Bigfoot to the museum. Oh, there's a hunter on their tail. Oh, the village is going gun crazy. You know, there's so many scenarios pulled into this bloody thing that it does kind of obfuscate the emotional purity that um, you know I think you need to to carry you through. Um, but have, have, you know, having having said that, as a kind of refraction of a refraction of an ET, I, I still do think it has quite a lot of charm, and I, I was I was tickled, <laughs> I was tickled throughout my <laughs> this. I, I giggled a lot. Well, giggling's not the right word. There were so many points where I thought that's amusing, and kind of nodded sagely without ever quite laughing. 
Um, and then when it came to the the sort of the the the, the often parodied, uh, you know, at the top by me bit where George forces <laughs> Harry to go away, I think that's still I think it's quite an affecting scene, even though it is quite uh, hoary and I guess a bit hokey. <laughs> But hoary is in H O A R way, not not hoary. Oh yeah, don't don't worry. <laughs> I, don't, I, I, I don't know. I don't know what I was thinking. You might misinterpret as in this context. Um, but no, I think this de- definitely feels like a a sitcom scale or a, a sitcom kind of uh, refraction of E T, which um, you know keeps it squarely in the three star range, which which is which is fine. But I I very much agree that it is like 20 minutes too long well you can see like breakup points where it would be episodes yeah yeah well. absolutely yeah 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 because the standard kind of you know three act structure doesn't really apply in, certainly in terms of the emotionality of this film there's so many little discrete units of yeah like you say episode breaks <laughs> it's really, <laughs> really there, there, there's a there's that moment that really sticks out to me when they kind of like welcome harry like they find him again and welcome him back into the house yeah and they're like drying his hair and the adams family's like is on yeah is yeah. on tv and that feels like roll that like that's like do you know what I mean like tv show roll credits on this moment do you know what yeah. I mean? like yeah, yeah what yeah. a gr- what a yeah. great pilot that was do you know what I mean like an hour yeah and ten, yeah ten yeah pi- pilot or, or for something whereas like, yeah and then it has this yeah weird third i don't yeah it's it's kind of like bordering on lord of the rings style like a few <laughs> yeah. endings as well yeah it kind of like yeah. it, it it has what you yeah it has that bit that you like parodied like at the start with the kind of go now and then it has the whole stuff with david Suchet in the in the oh, woods yeah. and then it yeah. actually ends and it's all a bit uh, uh, and, and, then, <laughs> and then and then roll aha's video for Take on me in the credits. Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> I was, I was, likewise, but utterly befuddled as to why we were watching an Aha music video at the end. <laughs> Love lives on, guys. Love lives on, <laughs> as the song tells us. Uh, it it does have a, a incredibly weird pacing in yeah. it. Like I I fully agree that it feels like it was probably about an hour's worth of story where they suddenly realised they had to make it feature length and then panicked when they realised oh no it's now an hour fifty. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I I felt I was quite surprised by because like knowing particularly this approach to the marketing I was quite surprised how quickly they find him and strap him up on the roof and bringing bring him home yeah. that's all pretty much condensed in that first like 10 to 15 yeah. minute stretch he's he's back in a, a suburban <laughs> suburban seattle rummaging through the fridge and i was like oh this is this is moving along at a nice clip and i'm i'm quite enjoying myself yes it's just <laughs> a, a bigger version of E.T. in which <laughs> Elliot is now six foot four John Lithgow. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but, but like, what's like, what's really interesting about the start as well and like kind of like really missells the film is how like gun-toting George is and like it, yeah. it feels like, that's what I meant, like it feels like the payoff of the whole film should be like him learning a lesson but he learns that lesson Within twenty, like, do you know what I mean? Like, as soon as he's yeah. like ripping down, happens very quickly. Yeah, it's, 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 it's so this is set over four days, and like, it's kind mm. of like 
by by like the end of day one, he's in love with Harry. Like, do you know what I mean? He's like, he's like drawing his erotic fan. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, do you know what I mean? He's like, <laughs> he's like which it's great. Like, that is actually a, um, that is R- uh, Rick Baker's original sketch of Harry <laughs> that they use for, for that kind of like loving portrait he does. You know, where it's like, yeah. Na- Na- yeah. Nancy finds it and it's like, oh, George, did you draw this of Harry? And he's kind of, he's, he's, he's kind of a bit like, um, Ro- uh, Rocky's son in I think it's five when he finds like he's been doing sketches of his like French teacher yeah. with her boobs out he's kind of a bit like all <laughs> flustered about it and it's oh, like nothing nothing go away yeah, 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 yeah. don't look at these <laughs> not we next need to time this, George <laughs> I'm just uh, imagining a scene where it's just the um, Jack and Rose sketching yeah. scene in Titanic <laughs> but with John Lithgow and Harry <laughs> Draw me like one of your French <laughs> girls. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I I fully agree that there's like this accelerated um, feeling of uh, connection between the two of them, and then there's just this there's a surprising chunk of this film where I was just, where Harry's not there, mm-hmm. and you're just kind of left there, just like oh. Yeah, right. yeah. Uh, <laughs> I, I was enjoying his company film. The, <laughs> yeah, the ratio of Harry to Henderson is a bit too far towards the latter for my liking in this, <laughs> in this movie. Well, it, yeah. it, it blows its load early, doesn't it? In like, kind of, where, like <laughs> yeah, in that it, it really it does. shows you Harry really early, and it's like what they should have. Yes, yeah, what I mean, like to, to kind of reiterate my point about ET is like draw yeah. out, and it's like yeah. What would have made this even more interesting? I know, I know it's kind of a uh, a well like trod path, but like if it were like the kids finding Harry, and then like that kind of thing of like keep like trying to keep him a secret from the dad and stuff like that. I think like that's got a kind of like interesting thing to it, and makes it more of like a kids. Do you know what I mean mm. like a film that's aimed yeah. at kids? Whereas this is like. That's what I mean. Like looking back, it's like what did I relate to <laughs> in this as a kid? Because like the story isn't really like from a kid's eye view at all. It's yeah. like about this, and and it's really interesting that John Lithgow is cast as well. So obviously, like if you kind of look at his career at that point in the family film kind of sphere his last role would have been Santa Claus the movie, where he plays an absolute fucking arsehole. So it's like, <laughs> if, 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 if you had seen that in like 1984, 1985, when that came out, and then like, it, and, and at the same time, it's great, it's great casting, because obviously you're supposed to get this thing at the beginning where he is like this bad guy, but like, yeah, it's also that thing like oh, he's a pretty like menacing guy. I would have definitely like when I've seen those films as a kid, and like I remember like John Lithgow is like, well, oh, he's fucking like, he's 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 serious stuff. He's scary. He's scary work. And then, and yeah. then in this, it's, you're supposed to believe within like twenty minutes that he's soft as like baby shit. Do you know what I mean? Like he's like this kind of like <laughs> roll roll. He's just your average goofy gun yeah. clerk. <laughs> don't don't get me started on what gun clerk goes to work in a suit and tie like that's that's totally (laughs) he wants to he wants to impress his daddy Emmett Walsh who's (laughs) 10 years older than him in real life (laughs) but it's weird because it is kind of like this gradual de-radicalisation of this 
you know, uh, heartland American gun nut, red-blooded meat eater kind of thing, who ultimately becomes a bit of a pacifist and a vegetarian. And that, the initial way, the sort of, it's kind of, it, the beat is repeated throughout the film. So within like 20 minutes, like you say, he has his internal overcoming of that. And then maybe an hour later, he has the external uh, show of what that means to him, where he stands up to his dad and he quits his job. And then that leads to the final, the climax in the woods where he, I guess, uh, he's willing to fight. He's willing to kill a man to save <laughs> Harry. But it, it's kind, it kind of is just the same it's just the same thing repackaged slightly in well, again like a sitcom where the very purpose of a sitcom <laughs> is to maintain the status quo so the, the the change you have in a sitcom is within the pilot that establishes the new status quo and at the end of each episode you return to the new status quo and that's kind of what this film really does with its with its characters yeah you're right because you kind of have uh family finds harry um harry comes home harry leaves home family looks for harry <laughs> find harry run with harry <laughs> and they're your episode yeah yeah <laughs> yeah my, and that whole bit when this that seemingly all of seattle goes to buy a gun and it becomes this carpenter-esque wasteland where everyone's out on the streets hunting for bigfoot there's a bigfoot <laughs> <laughs> that's a weird bit <laughs> that's a very strange part i love that moment when george is like hiding amongst like the kind of yeah like post-apocalyptic waste in like a, in an alleyway yeah and the police are like <laughs> all this jarring metal yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the police are like get out of there and then a guy who's like in rambo cosplay comes yeah out. yeah <laughs> and then uh, uh, th 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 that scene is great because you kind of then you get the reveal of george like phew like george has like george has got away with it and then david Suchet like pokes his head out of like this abandoned burnt out bus like yeah. to, and it's it's bizarre isn't it like that, yeah. that it's very bizarre that midsection <laughs> when it kind of goes like the hunt for harry is like <laughs> yeah, when, yeah. when it's like when it's like pur the purge basically that's ex that's what i yes 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 because i watched um i i watched the first purge the other day the the fourth purge movie name <laughs> first purge. i'm making this more complicated than it needs to be so i i had the purge kind of fresh in my head when i watched this and uh and yeah it does play a little bit like a an amblin friendly version of the purge but if the purge was directed solely against this um <laughs> this eight foot beast <laughs> as opposed to singular. um yeah and then yeah and then that there's that whole bit when uh, John Lithgow or George commandeers the garbage truck that, that's carrying the skip that uh, <laughs> Suchet and Bigfoot are fighting in. And then they somehow manage to escape that and also the police that are chasing them. And then not long after that, you have the bit when he's re, uh, um, reabsorbed to the family and you have when they clean him up and you have that little Adams family moment. And then there's there's no consequence to anything we've just seen in terms of the <laughs> city-wide ramifications. Um, I feel like the way the way we're talking, I want to make it clear. I did I quite enjoyed this film. I had a very pleasant time <laughs> watching it. And it's, now I'm making it sound like I, I didn't, but I, I did. It's just kind of endearingly odd this movie. And it, yeah, and it, it's very featherweight as yeah. well. It's not going to leave much of a mark on you, but you're you're just going to like ah. yeah <laughs> yeah. And I do think the main part of that is the Harry creation for sure. Mm. Can't, yeah, can't stress enough how much like the the design of Harry is 
what like he is the anchor of the film and it is just like it is a real shame that it kind of it gets messy in the middle with the whole mm. like hunt for him and it's like yeah so scattershot <laughs> and the, the message of the film like, as as like a like vegetarian myself like yeah i, I like i'm kind of like that's a that's a cool message it's quite progressive for 1987 to kind of be like meat yeah, is bad and stuff like that but then then like, even that like i don't know like kind of like it's it's here it's here here and there. Do you know what I mean? Mm. Like you don't really see like they're they're not vegetarians out of choice at the end. They're only vegetarians because Harry has like they're still trying to cook meat. Like do you know what I mean? When like, it's like yeah. where's the roast? It's like in a in a shallow unmarked grave in the back <laughs> in the backyard. <laughs> like, so so they're not like they only they like I don't know. Their lessons that they learnt are only like paper thin. In that George yeah. like. He stuffs all of his like hunting trophies in a yeah. oh, in a, don't in a shoot cabinet. animals. Okay, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's all, I guess it, it's all very simple stuff. But there's there's a sort of gem. There's a nugget of an idea of. I, I guess the, the, it's the, a sweet sweet progressive idea. Yeah, yeah, right. Because they're 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 all quite it's, it's quite a dogmatic approach that they have to. Uh, we love to kill and uh, parade our, our our kills on the walls and this kind of. There's a gradual opening of their mind and a sort of dismantling of this dogma. And there's a bit when his when his wife says to him, uh, "I'm so proud of you. You don't know what to do," as if to say, like, yeah, for, for the first time, you are not letting your ideology dictate your behaviour. You're having an open mind and embracing the ambivalence. And you know, th- th- there's a nugget of that, I think, which I I, I quite yeah I quite enjoy. That I, I like that in, in, in Melinda Dillon's kept as that kind of character pretty con- consistently yeah. throughout she's she, she she does i don't feel like she's the one that has to change the most because she does she's automatically kind of thinking about the fact like when they hit harry initially um george is like almost relieved when he knows it's not a man kind of like again showing that slight disrespect to uh living beings in nature and melinda dylan's always kind of more concerned and uh has that um, impulse to say what we think is best for us is not going to be best for him. Yeah, yeah. Um, which is quite endearing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, you you know you know like in the next you know when Ern's grown up he's going to move to like Portland and like open up a vegan cafe because of what <laughs> yeah. happened in this and like it's only like yeah. what like a couple of towns over or like in about in about six years time after the events of this film like <laughs> yeah. Sa- Sa- sarah's in plaid like listening like going to see go- going to see um nirvana do you know what i mean playing stuff like <laughs> yeah. that. <laughs> that's that's all exploding in seattle that's very, <laughs> very good point yeah <laughs> there is there is like really interesting things and like from my like research into it is this could have gone totally different because of the studio that Universal Pictures were pushing for Danny DeVito to be George. Wow. Which, okay. like, you can see, like, for comedy value... Twin situation. That yeah. kind of, like, <laughs> juxtaposition between Danny DeVito, like, this... <laughs> and, 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 and at the time, John Lithgow, like, not only... Uh, I mentioned, like, the kind of family film sphere, he would have been that, but, like, he'd just come off of being in, like, two Oscar 
contender films. I think it was like Dangerous Liaisons and something else. Like, and he was he was nominated. Like, it kind of took some work for him to get like get cast in this. And uh, William Deere said like he was worried the whole time. It was like I'm gonna play like I don't want, I don't want to seem like too broad. And he's like. Well, look at your co-star. It's like an eight foot. <laughs> it's an eight foot big foot. Like you're not gonna. You're not. You'll be okay. And then, and then, <laughs> flash forward to the nineties, and he's doing Third Rock from the Sun, being like yeah, yeah. the broadest yeah. man in the world, like uh, like winning <laughs> Emmys left, right, and centre. And it's like, well, yeah. It clearly unlocked something in him. <laughs> I like him in this. I think he he brings it. I think he brings a really good energy, and th- there's like yeah. there's certain bits when, uh, particularly when the when the nosy neighbor's poking around, and Bigfoot's in the basement, and he's poking his head up, and um, George is trying to stamp the floor down to avoid her seeing it. There's something kind of John Cleese Basil Fawlty about his physical movements in that, which um, which I greatly enjoyed, and yeah, it, big limbed man, yeah, <laughs> just uh, it just doesn't phone it in. He he commits he commits to the to the goofiness, and he commits to the earnestness. And, I think uh, I think I, what's I do like him. I think what's good about the casting of John Lithgow as well is the fact that like he has this kind of earnest, like serious, like demeanor about him that like you feel like oh he's taking it seriously like for maybe for like adults like at the time would have watched this and kind of been like oh no, like, like yeah I'm gonna I'm kind of gonna back this guy somewhat do you know what I mean like I'm not gonna like, if if it were a Devito it kind of would have been like. I don't know, like comedy horns and like chew. You could expect, like, do you know what I mean like comedy horns and tubers playing like left, right, and center? Whack, whack, <laughs> like it's a, it's a it's a right wacky effect, and that's that's no disrespect to Danny DeVito, but like it's it it it, it turns the film into a whole different beast if that is the case. <laughs> I'm gonna get real <laughs> weird with it. <laughs> <laughs> I had a weird a weird note from my observations whilst I was watching it and it made me kind of <laughs> you know the part where um they're first luring Harry to go back in the car to try and take him back the first time hmm. just before he runs away and they <laughs> they're luring him in which with like burgers and fillet of fish from McDonald's and it just made me kind of go it made me think of ET and the <laughs> um Reese's pieces and then I it made me kind of go wait was this before or after Mac and me? <laughs> so I had to quickly, <laughs> so I had to quickly Google, <laughs> and Harry and the Hendersons did predate <laughs> Mac and me by a year. So it got that um, <laughs> creature being <laughs> tied with McDonald's and lured with McDonald's yeah. in before <laughs> Mac and me came through the sponsorship. <laughs> through the, the gate movie. screaming. You know, I have that on DVD. <laughs> I have a DVD of Mac and me. Rightly so, I'm sure. Still, still in his cellophane wrapping and waiting for the right moment to watch it. See, I should have known <laughs> that I weren't going to feel like the same feelings I felt about this film as I did when I was a kid. Because I loved Mac and me as a kid. <laughs> so, like, I, I think a lesson we've learned through this discussion <laughs> is child Petros Patsilovus was a fucking dope who knew nothing about this. <laughs> yeah, I was just kind of like, yeah, like, whoa. All about the creatures. Like, yeah, it's got a cool creature. What's this thing? Yeah, yeah whoa, right. Let's have a go on that. Like, uh, yeah, like, uh, yeah, and I, I feel bad. I'm, I'm not coming on here to shit on, like, Harry and the Henderson. I think it is, like, 
it's that thing. I don't know. I can't help but like. I think because I held it in such high regard at a young age to kind of like look at it now uh, through this prism of like, does it does it stand up? And there is there is just that over over looming thing where it's like ah oh, like because I watched E. T. like recently and I was like. Yeah, oh, it, it it is hard when you've watched E.T. so close to it and you are just sat there going, I, I see what you're doing. <laughs> it's not working. <laughs> yeah, it's like, I'd love to be watching E.T. right about now. <laughs> yeah, uh, c- comparing anything to E.T. is unfortunate for the thing that's not E.T. in that equation because it is. It's a perfect film. <laughs> but I am glad Harry was there to kind of keep me hooked in because even like it, it kind of makes you feel the weight of the scattershot moments where he's not there in that um whenever he does come back when you you, you see what he's doing on his uh wanderings around seattle and i, I was always just like ah oh, good yeah, yeah back with the big yeah. <laughs> i love that gag as well at one point where someone thinks he's like a like a peeping Tom, and like some guy comes over, yeah. like, hey fella, get away from that window, and he's like, <laughs> sees Harry, and he's like terrified, and like, like that's the thing, the emotion on Harry, when he's like, that that great like moment where, he, I think it's moments before that, where he's looking through the window, and seeing like, a chicken yeah, get put in the pot, that's my favourite bit of the whole thing, <laughs> <laughs> and then these two old pensioners, getting into a, like, a jacuzzi, <laughs> yeah, and he's kind yeah. of like, looking back and forth, terrified, like they're, they're boiling themselves to <laughs> yeah, death, and it's like, yeah. that stuff's great, <laughs> do you know what I mean, but it yeah. does, it does always come back to that thing, it's all situational. Do you know what I mean? Like mm. the individual moments yeah. in this film are great, but as like a kind of a full narrative, it's kind of like it it doesn't it doesn't really like hold. And you kind of get that by the end with like the kind of how quickly they kind of like wrap up like the the David Suchet like yeah. plot line where it's like yeah. his kind of like real now talk about playing it broad. <laughs> 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 It's it's pure sitcom energy by the end. There's that bit when Bigfoot's saying goodbye and the the daughter gives him a flower and he goes to eat it and then then goes ah just kidding and everyone <laughs> throws their heads back and laughs. <laughs> oh Bigfoot, you big silly goose! And then the the professor fella says to Suchet, uh, "What are you gonna do now?" And he says, "There is always Loch Ness." And then again, they throw their heads back and laugh. And it's almost like there's going to be a freeze frame while the credits roll down and a sort of upbeat 80s sitcom Just aha instead. Yeah, that, yeah. That, that happen- that, but that, that happens throughout this film. There are so many moments where it's like, cut, freeze frame, credits roll. Yeah. And it's like, it just all comes back to that thing that it, this is a great pilot for, yeah. a, for a TV show. And, I guess what the TV show ran for three years, like ni- or two years, nineteen ninety-one yeah. to three seasons. Yeah, yeah so that's that's pretty like, three whole seasons. That's pretty decent for like a a character-led, a, a creature-led yeah. like s- situational comedy. I did mean to watch a clip before uh, doing this, but didn't find the time because I can't remember if there's canned laughter in it because that would make a lot of sense in the kind of way that, the, think... like you're saying, the kind of gags are built up. Yeah. I feel like I it think was. There is. <laughs> <laughs> I think there is. Yeah. But 
yeah, and that that is a show that even got to end on its own terms. There's there's a whole finale in that. <laughs> I really love um, the fan theory that um, the TV show is an alternate universe that is split off based on the decision to take Harry back to the wild, and that's why no one no one is the same in it. <laughs> I th- yeah, I think that is the that that is what they did right because obviously, like otherwise, yeah. the, the TV series would be. Harry and like, we need to talk about the fact that like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. We we get the like the Bigfoot family at the end, which like, I rewatched the end <laughs> today because I watched the film last night and kind of like by the end it was getting late and like, do you know what I mean? It's kind of like, yeah, was a bit hazy. So like, watch the last like thirty minutes, <laughs> and then that mo that <laughs> moment where it's like, and then they're like. <laughs> It's like they have like musical statues, and then all of a sudden they just like, like turn around and like start walking off, and it's like the, the characters don't say anything about it, and like so the audience are just left with One, like, two. yeah, what the fuck is that? And, like, and then they kind of like they they move in like high order, don't they? So it's like an equally yeah. big cat, like. Uh, equally big Bigfoot and then at the end there's this fucking tiny like Ewok sized little one like just scuttles off after them it's like is no one is no one gonna mention that what we're just gonna go to David yeah. Suchet going like yeah about Loch Ness the Loch Ness yeah what, <laughs> what? like I just I, 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 Harry I, just needed a holiday exactly. <laughs> and, and, and then I was like looking at it going like right so Harry like has decided like instead instead of going like instead of going oh yeah, I could have an opportunity to get in this car and go see my family. He's like, nah, yeah, I quite yeah. I, I quite like this George fella. I just yeah. want to knock about with him and see what japes we can get up to. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. he, he's taught me to sit like like I enjoy. I don't know. Yeah, I enjoy looking <laughs> through people's windows. I enjoy just kind of like <laughs> lightly terrorizing people through misunderstanding. It's like. You've got a family, you irresponsible prick. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> it I, does sour his character for the whole thing. Yeah. You're like, hey, oh. I, w- I, I want to see two spin offs of this. I want to see one which is like a courtroom drama where Mrs. Harry is taking him to court for like neglect of his yeah. kids. And another one is like a David Suchet like spin off where it's like him and. Um, I oh, was it Kirkwood or uh, the the like the the doctor? Oh, Rightwood, right, yeah, yeah, the doctor. They're, they're kind of going on hijinks, looking yeah. for like other crazy Different things around. Monster of the week, yeah, show. Yeah. Like, <laughs> monster of the week show. They're living in like yeah. a camper van or something like that, like a odd couple like sitcom. That that would be great. <laughs> oh, I want to watch that. <laughs> Meanwhile, Big Bigfoot's son is sitting at home waiting for his dad that went out to buy cigarettes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like a, like a, a, a latchkey Sasquatch. Do you know what I mean? He's, yeah. he's... And you can't even say, oh, but Bigfoot was taken away when they hit him with a car. He'd already left when they hit him with the car. He was on his way out. When they... yeah. That's why they hit him with the car, because he'd already gone. So don't give me any of that. Yeah. Bigfoot, Harry's an asshole. Harry was going to get candles <laughs> for his fourth birthday, like, uh, la- like, yeah, fourth birthday lasagna, and he's fucking never coming. But he wants to, he wants to knock about with George Henderson. Fuck off, Harry! Come on. This man sketches me. <laughs> <laughs> you wouldn't understand. 
<laughs> a, a, a moment I love in this as well is uh, when Harry puts on the the Walkman. Uh, the track that plays is like very briefly is Randy Newman's Short People. Uh, I'm not sure if you know, <laughs> <laughs> know that song, but like it, yeah. it's a great. That's like a that's like a great little gag. And like as, what a pick! Yeah. Like, <laughs> I didn't clock that at all. I, I, had, to, I had to rewind it because I was like, I just knew that. Dun, 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 and he's kind of going, short people. And then it's like, it, it, he throws it off. I was like, yeah. I was like, one, I love that song. I was like, it's steeped in controversy. And it's like, yeah. that's definitely like what Harry's view of the world would be as well. Like, do you know what I mean? Like, he's looking at some shit. That Randy Newman song. (laughs) Short Hunter's got no reason to live. (laughs) (laughs) What a guy. I'd like to get working on the official... (laughs) Full soundtrack of Harry and the Hendersons to be <laughs> repressed <laughs> and not forgetting Randy Newman. <laughs> I, I, I'm, I'm going to make a Spotify playlist and uh, <laughs> slot it in because yeah, it's, yeah. A, it's, a, it's, it's a massive omission and like. Uh, but that's what I mean. There are there are loads of little moments like even the pool table gag like that is like in, in like when he when he when he goes through the floor lands yeah. on the, and it's like. Part of me was thinking, like, so that would have been like half a day to to get those shots of all the pool balls going in them holes. It's yeah. like, it's not really, yeah. not really worth it, is it? It's not, it's not a great gag in the film, and it's like, I don't know, it's, yeah, I'm, I'm torn on this one, and I feel really bad because when I shared this on Twitter that I was coming on this, like, so, somebody was like, oh, I love that film. I, I'm definitely gonna be listening <laughs> to this episode, and I, I like didn't have the heart to reply, going like. Well, I'm gonna shit on your dreams. <laughs> <laughs> it's what it's all about. It's what the bramble's all about. <laughs> you don't know where you're gonna go. <laughs> Speaking of which, though, I think I I I had that message right here actually. So I I was I'll share the message. Now, because we do, we do like your tweets. Yeah, do keep them coming in whenever, whenever we're talking about a film, or if you want to share uh, an old episode. But uh, big thanks to Mike West of the Into the Van podcast, uh, who commented to say this film doesn't get enough credit for reintroducing Bigfoot to younger and mainstream audiences as a family-friendly version of Sasquatch, and changing its trajectory from exclusively horror. Rip Baker on effects with Kevin Peter Hall in the suit is just perfect. And I, I, I would still agree yeah. with all oh, of that. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> I agree with all of that, but like there are there are some like <laughs> sticky moments in it, and kind of like, <laughs> I, I think my thing it, it just doesn't. I can't say it enough. It just doesn't hold up as like mm. a, a cohesive, nearly two-hour yeah. narrative. Referring to it as a bloated uh, sitcom is like in, in, entirely fitting for this. I feel. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, well, you know, on the on the topic of of sharing tweets and discussing Twitter, I I should extend a thank you to Andy Peterson who helped me in my pickle. I had an image in my head of <laughs> what 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 I was seeing in my head was you know in Forgetting Sarah Marshall when there's the breakup montage when he, when Jason Segel sort of like sitting there crying eating cereal and 
watching shitcoms and stuff. In my head, he was watching Harry and the Hendersons as part of that, but I couldn't find it on the IMDb page for it. So I put out a call to the Twitter, uh, the Twitterati, asking if anybody could <laughs> think in what film uh, does someone sadly watch the the scene from Harry and the Hendersons where George tells Harry to go away. And Andy Peterson thankfully pointed out that it was the season three episode thirteen episode uh, season three episode thirteen episode of Thirty Rock called Goodbye My Friend, in which uh, Jack Donaghy and Frank watch the film and then recreate it later on when Jack has to send Frank back to the writers because he's <laughs> too uncouth to be an executive. <laughs> it's a great episode. What's a, they even use the music. Yeah, though. yeah. <laughs> what, what, what's great about that episode as well is like. Um, Baldwin's character says to Liz Lemon, like at one point, he's like, he quote, he's like, says about the film, he's like, you should, you should learn from that. And then like John Lithgow shows up, and she's like, yeah. all right, John, I know I should do the right thing. And, and then like <laughs> the kind of like big punchline at the end of the episode is John Lithgow going like, how the hell do I get out of this building? It's like amazing <laughs> here, and it's like, what a fucking <laughs> get! Like not only are you gonna make like this amazing like reference, like quite niche reference to the film, <laughs> it's like then John Lithgow in it. I was like, yes, Man. please. Such is the unique magic of Thirty Rock, a show that I miss dearly. <laughs> God, I love it. Oh man. <laughs> And it's given Harry and the Hendersons a bit of extra yeah. life to, <laughs> to give it a little resuscitation every now and again. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I think to sum up, we could probably say great puppet, mm. um, padded runtime. <laughs> there's, there's, def- there's definitely fun to be had though. Like, so like, and I, absolutely, so I, I can't stress out how, how like I, feel, I almost feel bad like that I've, I've come on here and shit shit on it like it's, so much. Like. I feel like you've been personally betrayed by this film. It, it, <laughs> yeah, yeah like, no, I, I, I just, I just think it is, like, yeah, like just I've I've been spoiled lately by like I'm so, I watched E I I watched E T with my two year old son right. Mm for the for the first time maybe like a, a month or so ago and it's like even at the age of two it's like the moments when he should like emote was emoting Do you know what I mean? like at one point he just turned to me and went yeah oh boy sad but he said <laughs> but, boy sad and i was like yeah he, he, is, oh. he, he is sad like et e- e- and then like oh, when they lift up on those bikes he, he like just went Yay! And I was like, "This is breaking <laughs> my heart, little guy." And yeah, like, yeah, because like, well, yeah, from when he was young, I bought him like a ET uh, teddy, like it's mm. ET in like a little red hoodie. So it's like an amalgamation of ET. Does he wear a hoodie in the film? Yeah, 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 yeah. So it's ET and yeah, he's little. He wears a white blanket. Yeah, yeah. So he's Elliot in the red. So it's like an amalgamation of Elliot and ET. So he's yeah, but ET's wearing the red hoodie. <laughs> For some for some strange reason, um, we, <laughs> we've also got an ET in a hoodie doll, and I think I must have implanted that image into the film because I would have sworn blind that there's a scene in the film that has <laughs> I'm e. Start- the ET Mandela effect. Yeah. I'm, star- I'm starting to think it's not a licensed uh, a licensed doll here. <laughs> You're going to from a, a teddy picker in, uh, in 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 Scarborough. But yeah, but yeah, like so he like he had that like just emotional reaction for it and like to kind of uh 
I'm, I'm offended, Josh, that you didn't ask if I cry at ET. I know it's a, well, a running. I very much do. Oh, well, the, the one time I don't, I consciously avoided asking because I've been burnt twice now. But, um, that's so what, what, is, it, is it the sad part or is it the happy part that makes you cry? Or both, maybe, which is the case for me. Both. And like obviously yeah. watching it as a parent now, especially like... like yeah, it, I can imagine. It, even like, yeah, oh, watching man. it with my son when like the, the mum is going like, uh, like moaning about the dad like running off to Mexico with his, <laughs> yeah. his, his, his new hussy. I'm like kind of like... Wanting to say to my son, like, don't worry, I'm not going anywhere, anywhere soon. Do you know what I mean? I won't be going to Mexico, boy. I'm going to stay right here. I really do hate Mexico. Yeah. Oh, that's good. That's good. 2-1, I think, Andy. (laughs) Maybe if I ever have kids, that will be the time. (laughs) I'll finally cry at (laughs) E.T. Yeah, but... I don't. That that might not be a litmus test for it though. Like I cried at Daddy Daycare since having a kid. So <laughs> like, I'm, I'm, you, you just become a fucking wreck more than anything. Like anything. Oh man. <laughs> hey man. After the last year we've had with this crazy whirlwind of emotions swirling around, I was doing the dishes the other day and I thought about the scene in Moana when her grandma dies and she feels her spirit travel across the ocean, and I started crying. I wasn't even watching it. I just thought of the moment. <laughs> I, I can't listen to um, uh, Give a Little Love from Bugsy Malone without crying because I heard Edgar Wright uh-huh. say that he would have that song played at his funeral. Mm. And I just think about like the melancholy sadness of like the lyrics of that song being about like what like what you could have done or like what you did with your life and stuff like that. And just this mm. image of like... Yeah my own funeral and like having that play and people like having this joyous but like melancholic feeling and I'm like oh thanks Edgar you've ruined you've ruined Bugsy <laughs> I can't forget that now yeah. <laughs> you've ruined this lovely oh, poor no. song <laughs> But while we're on the topic of mortality, I'm going to crowbar in a little glass raise to the late great Charles Grodin as of yesterday who departed this earthly plane uh you know at the ripe old age of 86 yeah he had great innings but um you know check out something that he was in yeah i recommend ishtar because not in a not in a contrarian <laughs> wild wild west is actually good kind of way in a genuinely oh this film was misunderstood when it came out and has an awful lot going for it way ishtar is very good uh on a, on a, on on yeah. the level and charles Grodin is fantastic in that so you could do a lot worse than honoring his life by Checking out Ishtar. But. Yeah. Midnight Runs. Are, oh, uh, man. Home. That's a home run of a movie yeah. as well. I, I watched that <laughs> so at the weekend. As well. I almost feel like I killed him. <laughs> Beethoven the second? <laughs> Don't believe that, Joe. Beethoven the second? <laughs> yeah, you know. Which yeah. Is, it feels like a <laughs> spiritual successor of Harry and the Hendersons. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> surprised that, yeah, I was going to say, I'm surprised those films aren't uh, Amblin some reason mm. the john hughes route that's the next podcast <laughs> what's that thing o- o- oak creek was that his production company he had he made like two films Something under like it that. yeah flubber and <laughs> all right i think that probably does us quite nicely for this discussion on, yeah. harry, on harry and the hendersons <laughs> i've enjoyed the kind of like real microscopic look we've put under harry's uh actual character as revealed by the final moments <laughs> yeah, of the film yeah. <laughs> i 
would be remiss if we didn't mention Harry's dong and the fact that, like, <laughs> it, it exists because... I completely forgot. Suchet, the film makes explicit. <laughs> Suchet gets a nut shot in and, like, it, there are moments in the film, I think there's an amazing, uh, like, account, uh, someone on Twitter pointed it out that, like, there are moments in it where you can kind of see it, like, wafting between his legs <laughs> under this, like, <laughs> mass of hair. Um, I'll try... And find well, yeah, uh, like uh, when, when this episode's out, we'll I'll, be sure, the description yeah, below. I'll be sure. Yeah, <laughs> I'll be sure to link to the to, to Harry's dong, and that that that's a, uh, I ended up down a weird rabbit yeah. hole whilst uh, looking looking for Reddit Fred Harry's dong. Yeah, <laughs> yeah um, I I definitely need to enable my private browser whilst looking yeah. at certain things I do for podcasts. <laughs> release, hashtag release the dong cut. <laughs> <laughs> Cowards. <laughs> oh, that, that's a beautiful bombshell to end it on. Harry's dong. <laughs> Harry's dong. He's got it going on. <laughs> oh. Well, that does bring us to a close of our episode of Harry and the Hendersons. Um, we hope you uh, will come back to us next time where we'll be reconnecting with our old friend Joe Dante to take a look at the 1987 shrinking sci-fi comedy Inner Space. Baby. Josh is already very excited for this one. One of my, <laughs> one of my particular predilections is films in which people get shrunk and particularly a subcategory within that subcategory is when people get shrunk and inserted into other people I I think there's like Fantastic Voyage in that, but still, it's a it's a bustling mm-hmm. sub sub subculture. Sub, <laughs> that episode of Rick and Morty. <laughs> and that Rick and Morty episode, yeah. Oh, Osmosis Jones, uh, kind of to a point, not really though. <laughs> <laughs> if you'd like to watch the space along with us and don't have it on disc, it is available to and rent you or buy digital. Should watch it. It's great. <laughs> yeah. Spoilers for next <laughs> you, week. You can... Rules. Rent or buy. Digitally from Amazon, Apple TV, Chile, Google Play, Microsoft Store, and YouTube. Or you can borrow my DVD. <laughs> I'll come and watch it with you. Now we're allowed to intermingle in households again. Uh, if you've got any thoughts on Inner Space, please do tweet us at RamblinAmblin or email us at RamblinAboutAmblin at gmail.com. Not dot co dot uk as i've been saying for the past few episodes mia culpa i'm a wally i'm a cotton i'm a cotton-headed ninny muggins uh it's rambling about amblin at gmail.com we're international baby (laughs) (laughs) thank you very much for joining us on this episode petrus uh where can the good listeners find your podcast projects should they be so inclined? So you can find me talking about Nick Cage and the Coppola family on all your favourite podcast platforms or your not-so-favourite ones. Or you can always get at me on all the socials at CagedInPod, uh, where, yeah, I'll kind of... I don't know. I tweet normally about, like, stupid things, weird connections that there are with the Coppola family, uh, stuff that... I don't know, like you might not you might not think or a thing whether it's Jack Nicholson was in a film that 
Francis Ford Coppola was like a a second unit director on back in the day or something <laughs> something weird and wonderful like that. Obviously, yeah, I'll be charging on with a curated look through the uh, Coppola family filmography, as well as when a new Nick Cage film crops up, I will also cover those because I stick to my roots, baby. So yeah, <laughs> come 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 on over and join the family uh, on yeah on Coppola Connections. It's a lot of fun. Yeah, I, I mean, I, if you can't tell on evidence from this chat we've just had, they're, they're great fun. I highly <laughs> recommend that you check them out. Uh, <laughs> thanks again for joining us for this ramble on Harry and Henderson's yeah, man. I, I had such a great time. It's really Thank nice you. chatting to you. Thank you very much for, for, for having me on. It's been a it's been a cathartic experience, kind of exercising some... Like, <laughs> yeah. some Exercise Harry and Working Henderson. through some stuff. <laughs> yeah. some, de- some demons from my uh, childhood. I, it almost feels like... A, I, I've, I've kept the, the therapist at bay by by uh, coming on this podcast. So thank you very much for, for, for inviting me on. Oh, you're very welcome. Come back. Don't be a stranger now, you hear? <laughs> oh, what, what, other, <laughs> what, what other films? What, yeah, I have to find something that I've got some... Uh, what else can we destroy yeah, for yeah, your yeah. chart? <laughs> can I destroy for somebody? Because... Uh, <laughs> and as always Josh it's always a pleasure to see you for these my favourite time of the week <laughs> yeah buddy and uh, all that's left to say is a big thank you all to, for listening uh, we hope you had a great time and we'll see you next time for any, Inner Space until then take care and if you find any Bigfoots in the forest be warned he may be dodging child support payments <laughs> <laughs>